Welcome to the On Golden Pond. Mm. Welcome to Religious Talk. Welcome. Treasures in Heaven. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. So wonderful to see you on Treasures in Heaven. Should we start with a quick prayer? Thank you. I thought you, I thought we would never <laughs> get there. Honestly, I start everything with a prayer every time I'm on a roller coaster <laughs> doing a bank transaction. He's <laughs> uh, just like, so it's going to be $65 doing a cash or money order. I'm like, first, hold my hands <laughs> and just enter into the space. What's your, what's the name on your name tag? Malcolm. Enter into the space, Malcolm. He's like, I'm going on break in like a minute. And I'm like, Malcolm, shh, shh, Malcolm, Malcolm. be here now. Ramdas, Ramdas. <laughs> We're recording. We are. I do love, I will say right off the bat, the first thing, when you said you wanted to do a podcast, you were like, I'm listening to all these first episodes of podcasts and I don't want to do what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> they're all like, we're doing a podcast. Isn't this crazy? Here we are. Here we are. Can you believe it? Oh my God. And Who would have thought? I know. Exactly. And then the funny thing is that I turned on a new podcast. I'm not going to call them out by name. And I was like, let me see what their first episode <laughs> looks like. And it was... Spot on. It was spot on. It was just like, <laughs> isn't this crazy? They were like, uh, we're doing a podcast, you know, because everyone's doing a podcast, but like, we're going to do this one. And so, it was like, <laughs> great. So, well, I like what you told me about when Pete Holmes was asked, like, why is anyone going to listen to your podcast or why are you going to do a podcast? Yeah. The, yeah. The oh, that answer, one was real. The answer that he gave? That one was real. They, uh, his manager was like, uh, his manager was like, uh, everyone has a podcast you shouldn't start one. And he was like, oh, but the thing you're not thinking is that I'm doing this one. Right. And he told that to... Um, the thing that you don't understand is, um, I want to. <laughs> the thing you don't understand <laughs> is, oh, I want to do this <laughs> right now. This is, this, is, uh, this is the podcast. The reason why I'm excited to do, here, to do this and be here with you is that we hang out all the time and we always can't stop talking about this stuff. Right. It, yeah. Talk to me about that. So we are two friends who live in New York City, and we should probably introduce ourselves. <laughs> um, my name is Lauren, and I have been, I think, like seeking out answers to things for my whole life, mm. but like in particular in the last five years. And I think there's this like interesting thing that you and I have talked about a lot, which happens in your thirties where you sort of like go through a dark night of the soul and like, who the fuck am I? What has worked for me in the past is no longer working. Mm -hmm. And like, where, how do I like, how do I, we, we talked about this, like take out the furniture and then put it all back in, in the way that works for us, mm. sort of rearranging our thought processes, understanding our personality, understanding like, our egos, what makes us like, what our defenses are that we've built up, what are the things that like have helped us to get through this world that are like kind of no longer serving us. Mm. Um, Taking all the furniture out and seeing which pieces to put back in. Yes. Yeah. And we started because we both are improv comedians and we like comedy. We started years ago listening to Pete Holmes and Duncan Trussell, who mm. both have podcasts. And they kind of opened our eyes to like this whole world of spirituality and all these different spiritual leaders. And, and I think from there it's just sort of snowballed and escalated. And then we kind of went down all these different pathways of understanding. And this is what we do when we get together is we talk about it. So we figured we'd just talk about it more. Yeah, that's actually a great, 
that's a great intro. Um, ooh, I got some, I got some chills a little bit through some ooh. of that. Yeah, I really, um, uh, I, f I feel like what we have done so much when we get together is we are just like, here's what I'm learning. Here's the thing that is I've had to hear seven times before it finally stuck. Here's how I'm applying this in my life. Um, and uh, I feel like I needed something like this probably about seven years ago or so, you know? Um, we've talked before about how our journey has been a little bit different because my uh, my dark night of the soul manifested itself in such a different way than yours. So I look at, I look at you and your experience with so much... Um, with so much uh, interest and and and, uh, and uh, wonder of being like, wow, it's so fascinating to see how people can be wired in all these different ways and how it can manifest itself. Because my rough patch looks so uncertain and so uh, particular to me and so scary, and yours manifested itself in this totally other way. Um, maybe I'm being too vague about it right now, but like. What, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, if you're comfortable sharing, I think it would be great to share your kind of... Yeah, so I, um, yeah, I, my name's Brad also. I don't know if I, if I said that earlier, but I, um, I have been a comedian in New York for a, for a long time as well, about 13 or 14 years. And, um, yeah, my trajectory has, it's, it's so funny because it's something that... <clears throat> that only on the back end of it does it all make sense to me. And that's actually been really big. One of our favorite writers is a guy named Richard Rohr, and he wrote a book called Falling Upward. And one thing that was really special about that book is he's like, you're going to feel totally lost during this time. There's something happening to you, and you're not going to willingly go into it. You're going to go kicking and screaming. You're going to have very little say in how it looks what it, uh, um, how, how it looks, what the manner is and like what your changes are that you're going to have to go through. So I had my own dark night of the soul. I told myself when I was turning 33, I was like, this is going to be the best year of my life. And it was far and away the worst year of my life because everything that was working for me failed me in a big way. And the wheels fell off. And I told myself every day for a little less than two years, I said every day to myself, I'm going to kill myself. And um, I know that that's a very particular and sensitive topic. I also think it's worth sharing with people that I didn't make a suicide plan, which is apparently, if you talk to people that, um, that, that work in this field, that is like a, um, uh, an, an important distinction to kind of, to kind of make if people have, uh, are experiencing suicidality. But I, um, I fell completely off my horse and nothing seemed to make sense. Nothing felt good. Nothing felt right. Everything that used to work for me was just failing. And um, what's fascinating is that I also started coming out of it. I felt right at the beginning of COVID. Mm -hmm. It was like January 2020. I started to feel like maybe I'm working my way out of this forest. Mm -hmm. And things are starting to feel more like I can um, buy the premise of this life. I use that phrase all the time. Like I buy the premise of this life. Not that things feel good all the time. Not that everything is just sunshine and stuff. But like when things are bad, that's part and parcel of being a human. How do I handle it and all that? Um, so anyway, that was January 2020. And um, 
Uh, and then the funniest thing happened. <laughs> so I got to sit during COVID. I went and lived with my parents on and off for like nine and a half months. And that is when I first started getting into spirituality stuff. Mm-hmm. I started following... Even some some people that I don't even pay too much attention to anymore, like Leo Gura, who runs the uh, um, what's the name? He has a uh, a YouTube channel um, that was pretty big. Um, Actualize.org is mm. the name of his. Uh, but he started, you know, I got into some of his stuff and then some Richard Rohr stuff, and it felt like if I had tried to get in touch with any of this stuff before falling off my horse it looked like hieroglyphics. Mm. It just felt like picking up a spiritual book when you're like 20 years old yeah. and you're like... Yeah, yeah. Well, it means nothing to you. And mm-hmm. then if all if you have no answers and everything has failed you and you are just like at the end of your rope and you come out on the other side of it and then you start looking at these books and you're like, oh, this is... This, starting to make sense. This is starting to make sense. Mm-hmm. This starts to feel like a... Um, guidebook mm-hmm. for the second half of my life. Right. And um, so I read voraciously and got into a ton of topics that we're going to cover in detail over, yeah. over all of our things together, including Enneagram, mm-hmm. including Spiral Dynamics, mm-hmm. including uh, works of Richard Rohr and Rob, Rob Bell and... Um, yeah, from, uh, Anne Lamott, and you know some of the best Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle, some of the best out there. You and know, and then we'll start throwing around names like Alan Watts and Jack Cornfield and a lot uh, Richard Rohr, as you already yeah. said. Um, so there's a lot of people that I think have like we find inspiration from. Yeah, that we will reference a lot. And we're seeing people. The reason why I think we're getting into this is that we are seeing people. You can recognize it now. Mm-hmm. And I, in Falling Upward, which is Richard Rohr's book, he says that you, he's like, you can tell when someone's on the first half or second half of life. Mm-hmm. You can immediately, upon talking to someone, being like, ah. Mm. Uh, Rob Bell talks about light, heavy light. Mm-hmm. Talk um, to me about light, heavy light. Cool. So, light, heavy light, they say that um, at the be early in your life, you have this lightness, mm-hmm. and it's a lightness of naivete mm-hmm. because. Imagine you're 27 and you're traveling the world or something like that. You can meet anyone and be like, yeah, we're best friends and we're chatting. Like, you don't have that sort of depth. You haven't figured out who you are. Mm -hmm. And so your connections with people and your connections to the things that you like to do can be very light. Mm -hmm. We see that all the time also with um, the improv world. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been in it for a long time. And there's people that can come in and be like, oh, my God, there's... There's, there's joy here. There's, uh, and they come and they get plugged into it. Yeah. Um, but you, it can also be sort of like a surface level, you know, uh, flowy kind of lightness of naivete. Does that make sense? Yes. And then the heaviness has to come. Some sort of heaviness has to come to earn lightness. Right. Um, uh, Rob Bell does have a great uh, podcast where he talks about people like Nelson Mandela mm-hmm. and the Dalai Lama and stuff mm-hmm. and being like, yeah, like let's take this to its actual extreme of right. being like, how heavy can you get? Because when you see these men, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, yeah. when you see these, these people at the, at, on the second half of lightness, right. this earned lightness of, I know who I am and I can move forward with joy and fearlessness. Mm-hmm. Then you see this lightness of like, oh my God, the Dalai Lama is like playing. Yeah. You know, Archbishop Desmond Tutu is like being silly and like drawing a little doodle with some kid. Yeah. And it means so much more Mm -hmm. than also being a kid that hasn't eaten shit yet. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I think mine was probably less 
uh, I would say there was less of a like moments of knowing that I was in it as clearly as you. I okay. think mine was just like over the years I've realized that I've always been a seeker. Even in high school, I got like really into religion in high school. And then I like yeah. graduated from that and I was like, religion is stupid. And then, um, and now I just, uh, we will talk about religion a lot, yeah. but like, it's not anything that it, for me now, it can be something that I can hold lightly and, uh, also understand that there's, um, value in some of the teachings and parables that come out of different religious texts sure. and religious backgrounds. And that's a big deal to say come out of different religious backgrounds too, because mm -hmm. I do firmly believe that like, uh, we might talk about one brand of religion sometimes on here, but the truth is in, is in all of these. And mm -hmm. in fact, totally. I love that Richard Rohr says, he's like, you should be reading stuff from other religions yeah. because you can come in without your burden of right. your early years knowledge and understanding. Right. If you're going to read the Bhagavad Gita, you didn't grow up with your grandma being like, right. Jesus was a white man who, <laughs> you know, he was so nice to everyone and never, right. you know. Which is uh, actually something that your grandma said. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I did have a moment. Well, that was me during, um, de during my own deconstruction was kind of yeah. like, I'm going to tear this barn down. For sure. And, I definitely... and you were like, I'm quitting Catholicism. That's it. Oh yeah. Your mom was like, I saw you baptized. Oh yeah, that was a, that was another one. I, uh, I I came out to my parents and told them I was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not Catholic anymore. And my right. mom was like, I was there when you were baptized. Right. She's like, I, she got she got angry. She was like, of I was. Course. She's like, you can't. I was there when you were baptized. Right. So nice try. Right. You know, and like even right now, what's happening inside of my inside of my body is like, oh my god, I'm sharing a story about my mom quipping at that, but. What what really happened, if you look long picture, is like I'm amenable to the teachings of the Bible and Catholicism in this in this like this secret way, right? It just feels like this real secret truth about all this stuff is being spoken in in certain circles, and it's not everyone that goes to church and is sitting there doing this regurgitative. Uh, version of Catholicism, but I'm very open to being like, wait, wait, what's actually happening here? And so I, we've, we've, we talk about how we've outfitted ourselves with this lens from doing this work from people that are like, cool, are you done with regurgitative theology? Mm -hmm. Cool. Let's look at it Come this, this way. way now. Come mm -hmm. this way. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's like, uh, being in the, in the movie, uh, in the, like the old blockbuster or whatever. And they would be like, yeah, we got the back room too. Mm -hmm. Like come check out um, come check out people that are talking about this in a really, um, subversive mm -hmm. way. Yeah. And then it becomes so much more punk rock and so much more <laughs> totally. livable because, yes. right? Yes. That's the thing is like the livability. You can tell if someone has been changed because of the way that they're living right now. Um, Father Greg Boyle says you can tell that someone's been changed because they now possess fear and joylessness. Nope. Joy and fearlessness. <laughs> There it is. Welcome, welcome to the Fear and Joylessness podcast. <laughs> I'm Brad. You possess joy and fearlessness, <laughs> and that, that is though, right? Like, yeah. so if someone is, if anyone's watching this podcast and they're like, "Yeah, I watch these two rubes just like <laughs> jerk off about religion forever," well, it's like, okay, the proof I feel is in the pudding, and I know it. 
because things are sometimes a roller coaster and sometimes yeah. things go up and things go down, but I have this foundation yeah. that I can rely on where my highs are higher and my lows are lower. And you can tell because of my my energy with people, my connections <laughs> with people, mm-hmm. my connections with now, with, yeah. with the moment, um, my ability to be embodied, move my body. It's all circulating around this joy and fearlessness that has come. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it. so I think we're starting this podcast because we got here through a lot of pain yeah. and a lot of uncertainty. And uh, we just want someone our version of ourselves six, seven, eight years ago to be like, hey, you're going to go through this and maybe knowing some of these things or looking out for them can yeah. round that edge a little yeah. bit. And a lot of our friends are having these conversations right now and like are either in their dark night of the soul or they're coming through it or they just got out to the other side uh-huh. or they haven't got in yet. Uh-huh. Um, but these are conversations that I think like are kind of, juicing us up when we're at parties or we're at whatever speaking with friends in our circle and it's like yeah have you thought have you checked out this person have you hey like and people are even coming up to you proactively and saying hey like i see some of your posts i'm really (sighs) interested like so it's it seems like there's like something that's in the Air. There's something in the air and people are eager to talk about it and they don't they don't know that they are. They are just arriving with like a I I just I feel weird, I feel lost. I don't know what that is. I think about this one all the time because there is a lot of we we talk about suicide suicidality, we talk about I mean it's a real problem and I don't have it solved. Mm -hmm. But I do know this, and this is another roar quote. He says when someone is feeling suicidal, they are more correct than anyone in the world. Mm. They're wrong, though, about what needs to die. Mm-hmm. The, the literalism of the human body needs to die. Mm-hmm. That's not it. Something needed to die here. Mm-hmm. But without that, without these tools, what do you grab at? You grab at, what you, it's got to go. Yeah. Everything's got to go. Everything. Yeah. I, yeah. Can, I can't. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, yeah. The death, something has to die. Um, and people often just mistake what it is that has to die. Yeah. Yeah. And we think something's wrong with us too during yeah. this period mm-hmm. because we live in a culture of ascension where it's yes. like, it's like, no, 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 you got to go up. Like you see people around us and we're so drawn. Our eyes yes. are so drawn to like who's going up, who's doing well. Mm-hmm. And we, maybe- and who's like crushing it and feeling good and posting on Instagram and like oh my killing God. it. Their new husband, their new wife. Oh, their, he's so hot. Everything. Oh, she's so. Their job, their, everything looks everything. really, really good. Every, and their Instagram is all of this. And of course the thing we've, we've all learned is almost seems silly to say, but yes. how many stories have we heard of someone that was like, my life looked perfect on Instagram, right. but behind the scenes, it's like <laughs> that story's old at this point. <laughs> Little did my fans know I was struggling with like, yeah, yeah, of course you were. Cause this called culture of ascension is going is you know um who has that quote uh, thomas merton has that great quote that says uh, wisdom is getting to the top of your ladder and realizing it was leaning against the wrong wall the whole time yeah yes and that is like that ego death that ha- has to happen and like whew, it's like for you i think it was like probably faster f- than for me because uh. i happen to be an enneagram seven which we will do a lot of work about Enneagram and we will talk about it. But one thing about Enneagrams sevens, which is what I happen to be is that we are very light. We're very fun. We're very, um, 
it's all going to be okay. Uh, it's no big deal. Like, yeah, they say like for us every day, we want every day to be Disney world. And that's uh, so true. Like I live in New York city, which is equivalent to like adult Disney world because like, I uh, just want a fucking special day every single day. And New York will also reward you with that. They'll see 100%. you doing that and being like, Lauren has it together. Cause she, look at all these things she's 100%, doing, percent, which is why it was hard for me to go through that. And I'm still going through it. And I'm just now like really starting to face it of like, I was just tricking myself so much. I was tricking myself into like, I, like I could, I, I could do meditation. I could read Jack Cornfield. I could, um, I could listen to a lot of like this, you know, these spiritual teachers. I could do a lot of this work, but because until I found the Enneagram, I didn't realize that our culture wants everyone to be happy so much and (sighs) happiness it seeking out any emotion too much is a bad thing, uh, but our culture rewards people that seek out happiness. And yeah. because that happens to be the thing that holds me back from growth as an Enneagram seven, I, you're just promote, it's promoted by the culture to yes. keep continually seek happy, happy, yes, happy, yes. but you're really just covering up for something that you're hiding inside, which happened a long time ago. And uh, we'll get into that, but like things from your childhood that yeah. you, you sort of suppressed and just like, became the good time gal or guy, you know? And so for me, it, t- it, it wasn't until I, f- I like, I, I felt like I was a seeker. I always knew I was a seeker. I always knew I was looking for something deeper. I always had that in me and I could meditate and I could read be here now and I could be in the present moment. But until I found the Enneagram, I didn't realize I was actually tricking myself. Uh, so that, that sounds like that was kind of your, when the hieroglyphics moment turned into, oh, this is hitting now, right? Like there's going to be one of those things yes. that happens in your life and yours looks perhaps different than mine, but yeah, still 100% valid. Like all yeah. these things are, yeah. I just envisioning just the same phrase being like, cool, great. Yeah. I see that. And then all of a sudden reading it again and being like, you don't know how much my soul needed yes. that. Whatever this, whatever these readings are that we're, we're talking about. Oh man. Or like the, I was I was listening to a podcast that was a panel podcast with sexual sevens, which is a level even deeper of Enneagram, which again, we will get to, but like, that's what I am. And I was listening to a panel of all these other people that are also in that subtype of Enneagram. And I was like, holy shit, how does anybody of these people get anything done? Uh, How do we even exist? And it almost made me feel like, um, a little bit like, desperation to, to a certain extent where it was like, how can I, we're all crazy. We're all crazy. And then Uh, I was like, wait, everybody's crazy. uh, And it's just dealing with your own brand of crazy. Yeah. Yes. But like the culture does our culture in particular, Western American culture promotes certain values. So if those happen to be, if you happen to be a person that espouses those values, that is probably your most fatal flaw. Mm but it happens to be promoted by the culture. So you maybe come slower around to your dark night of the soul on your knees moment. I I think that that's totally right. I think that I probably got there quicker because New York city doesn't espouse. I'm an Enneagram nine and I will shut down and think I'm very small. I think that everyone has something figured out that I don't. And it's a very painful thing for me to come to realization about, Mm -hmm. but mine was the one of like New York city would be like, wow, you're a, like you're not living to your your 
true potential uh, and, you know, kind of snap out of it. New York City for you and our culture in general, like this is just a microcosm. You could live in Owensboro, Kentucky, and people would still be like, she's... Or Brussels. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. And But like they would look at you and you had to learn despite everyone being like, wow, poster child for having her shit together and doing cool stuff and all of this, but you're traveling and running around and Instagram and blah, 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 blah. Totally. totally. All those wild parties and like beautiful, you know, everything like you're, you're, yeah, you had a, you had a very compelling outer story that can be told. And, uh, so you had to also unlearn that while learning this about yourself. And I'm still very much in that totally unlearning phase. Great. And I think that's why we're forming this podcast now is because we have access to both sides. We've seen, we've come far enough out of the wilderness to be like, Hey guys, here's what we've learned. Come, come this way. We think that we can help a lot of people out there. Maybe not everyone. There'll be people that have certain, uh, certain issues that were just blind spots for us, but for where we've gotten to, we can be like, Hey, we're here on the other side. And 300 yards away are the best gurus and the best teachers and, you know, Gabor Mate and stuff. Being well, like, that's the welcome, other thing welcome. is like, I don't want anyone to think that we are experts. We're certainly not. So yeah. like when we're going to talk about the Enneagram, we, there's Enneagram psychologists, there's Enneagram coaches, there's Enneagram, there's people that study this deep, deep, deep. There's psychologists, there's like, right. There's all these people that are way more experienced than us that like, we are certainly not an expert. We just happen to be two people that are going on this journey and kind of getting our bl- minds blown by a lot of this stuff and yeah. then want to share it with each other and our friends and our other and other people. Totally. And that that is valid. And there's another side to it. That's everything you said is 100% valid. And the other flip side to it as well is that I say also you can kind of forget the PhDs and the people that have done the research because our society is very quick to be like, well, let me get my rational head to wrap around this. I also say that that the, Sorry, I can I can I take that for one second? Boom. Rational and emotional. I'm reading this book called Healing Through the Dark Emotions, and it's super helpful for somebody like me who hasn't processed a lot of things that have been painful in my past. Yeah. And now I have to realize, like, oh shit, when you don't go th- like process that pain and face it head on, mm. which I don't even think I was ready to do until now, and now I can, and I can look at it and it's not so scary. Okay. It's kind of like the monster under the bed. And once you just like pick up the sheet, it's like, uh, oh, okay, you're not that scary. Yeah. But our culture has this, um, you know, in the book, she talks about like this, this rational versus emotional and that, and your and the patriarchal society that we live in the orange society to go to a spiral dynamics term, which again, we'll get into, but like, you know, tells us, do not listen to the emotional, listen only to the uh-huh. rational. Uh-huh. In fact, there's like a juror's creed that, that is in the book where, that every juror who goes on a jury has to read. And it says something along the lines of, I will um, make decisions based off of my intelligence and not my emotions. And it's like, Ooh. whoa, when do we decide that those are two complete, like, couldn't those p- words, emotion and intelligence be synonyms yeah. theoretically, but yeah, we live yeah. in a society where it's telling you, you have to separate your rational and your emotional, which is so antithetical to how your body works, how your uh, brain works, yeah. how your, you know, we know this, right? Like yeah. you, something happens and you feel it in your gut yeah. or you feel it in your heart or you yeah. feel it in your whatever. And, but yet we, we pretend that we're above, um, 
you know, rational is rational. Of a separation from emotional. Totally. And rational is the gold standard. And there's actually a lot to be said about that because there is the, um, there's the idea that there's emotional and there's rational and we can, some of the stuff that we tap into is there's a third version, which is the transrational. And it's very easy to forget, oh, there is this other thing that oh, is going to... Remind me, transrational. So transrational is most of the stuff when we're talking about spirodynamics yellow and stuff, things that are integral, things that look at uh, things, things that are, you know, as Richard Rohr says, he's like, sometimes you know something so deep that it's, it's true mm. because it's true to you. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Transrational is uh, something when you're talking about non-dualism, mm-hmm. right? Oh, uh, wait, this thing is bad. Good. Okay, like I understand. Right. Wait, but this thing also might be kind of good. Right, right. But it can be both things. Right. Cool, so we've entered into the world of transrational or paradox right. or big picture thinking, right. third way thinking, yes. all these things. Yes. So this is transrational where it's like, why don't, can we encompass all of it? Can we do both and non-dualistic thinking, right? So that's the first thing I want to say, but... To go back to your original point, um, we were talking about a really pretty fascinating interview with the head of Ogilvy, the advertising department, Mm -hmm. uh, the advertising company. And he was saying that um, he was like, in this society, we live in a world where rationalism is always going to win. In any casual conversation, you can be like, well, you're you're being rash. I'm being rational and you're being irrational. Like, I win. You're right, being irrational. Right. Okay, I'm I'm being rational. Yeah. And the irrational, whatever whatever that means, the less rational is always going to have to answer to the rational. Like if you have any any big decisions that are going to happen within uh, your company or anything that you need to try to substantiate, they're going to say, okay, well, you're on the artsy fartsy, you know, emotional <laughs> side. Bring it to the numbers, people, and we'll and and. We'll sit, we'll sit here in a panel and we'll look at your presentation and decide, do, do the numbers work? Does this make sense or not, right? They'll never have to do the opposite. They'll never have one scientist go into a whole room of like artists or something and be like, <laughs> uh, I got 300,000 gallons as my answer. And then being like, how do you feel about 300,000 gallons, right? They never have to present the right. rational to the less rational. Um, yeah. And you're right. It's like, it's, it, it's almost like you're being irrational is a thing that somebody like you're say, think of a couple in a fight, right? Like it's like one person's being an emotional and one person's being, you know, irrational. Trump or card. Rational. Trump card. You're being, it's Trump card. And you're just like, <clears throat> Hey babe, <laughs> you're being a little irrational right now. Right. Right. And oh, that's because like, because you feel all of these things. Because you feel. Because you're, because you're trusting your gut. Right. Because everything that we've learned from things like the body keeps a score and all of that. And we're, we're, uh, but yeah. Brain thinky says you're being crazy. Yeah. And so. I'll throw up that guy from your body keeps a score. Apparently, um, fudged a bunch of that research. So. Oh. Yeah. Redacted. Crazy. Redacted. He's out. Adios. He's out. But yeah, no, I, I, I think you're, it's, it's so interesting because it's like, we just operate in this culture that doesn't, um, value that. Uh, I, and I think we're starting to, I think we're starting to come around. I think that's why, you know, we're in this interesting turning point potentially <clears throat> in society where it's like, okay, we had, you know, science, um, we had Pascal and we had Pas- Louis Pasteur. Who's Pascal? He's also a scientist. Pascal was okay, also a Pascal guy. And, yeah, and Pasteur you know, was also. And all of these, you know, that kind of came about in like the 17, 1800s and then all the scientific revolution stuff and that 
you know, in this sure. rational thinking and, and, you know, rational over spiritual or um, thought or, sorry, spiritual or um, the way you feel about things, your emotion, stuff like that. Mm. Like it all became so like, you know, so highly rational oh, yeah. and highly scientific. Um and then we got into sort of like the 60s-ish time frame where everything became, you know, more about like love and peace and love and rock and roll, baby. And mm-hmm. like everybody has a place. every Everybody's accepted. Um, and now we're sort of in this place post that where uh, I think society as a whole is like moving towards this place where we're like, okay, well, that doesn't also seem to be exactly the answer. So it's not all rational and it's not all uh, <laughs> emotional. Um, so what is in the middle? And that is, I think, coming around the other side of what we were talking about, like that third way thinking, that transrational thinking, mm. that like um, how can you yes and your... Yeah. Uh, your experience as a human. I mean, this is spiral dynamics. And I wouldn't say that the answer lies in the middle. That would sort of be like a a centrist sort of policy. I think that it goes and transcends that whole dynamic Mm. of you. I've got my my grandma who believes uh, that things are right or wrong because God said. And then I've got my dad who goes, industry is, you know, as a man thinketh and uh, (laughs) as a man createth. And then what would I do if I retired? Oh, I know. Yeah, right. Well, that was a conversation with my dad. He was like, what would you even do if you if you like weren't working? And I was like, how long you got, my man? Like, (laughs) oh, God, someone wants to write me a check right now. Right. I would do things like this. Like that's yes. the, uh, among many, amongst many other things. Yes, Take yes. care of my body, but, meditate. But like I like your dad, that's a hard time. So anyway, so your right. dad would say, okay, science, rational, uh, meritocracy, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Of course, of course. And then after that, what exploded in the 60s, as you, as you mentioned, was uh, was this wave of, of, uh, of uh, sensitivity and awareness of uh, people outside of our own. Um, and it can be, you know, if, if it goes to its infinite conclusion, it can be maximum sensitivity at all times. Yes. Which is a lot, I think of what's going on today in politics where it's like, you know, cancel culture and like people coming after the liberals as too woke. And, you know, it's because we've gone some, some, and I would say like the, if you think of a bell curve, like the outer sort of, quartile or whatever yeah like it's not most people are not Uh. um that are that are doing that but there are so many some people that are sort of like pushing forward these uh highly i would say i don't know things that are making people uncomfortable right these ideals that are making people uncomfortable yeah like your dad so people are saying okay you need to like say uh you need to ask everyone for their pronouns okay Somebody like your dad or your grandma or my parents or my grandparents are going to have a really hard time with that. Sure. And the, the, I think, you know, the sort of ultra green uh, people would say, well, they'll just have to get over it. Okay, boomer, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what you're saying is when you come around the other side, you can make space for all of these conversations and people and understand them and meet them where they are. That's a big, big thing. And no one likes to hear those words. I remember I uh, had someone I was dating like a year ago and I talked to them about meeting, meeting people where they are. And she hated it. She's like, well, was that thing you said earlier? Like meet people where they are. I was like, it's a really big deal. You don't, it doesn't mean you have to agree with them. Cause like, I can't really fathom voting 
a lot like deeply Republican, like that that would be uh, that would that wouldn't really make sense to me. But you can do a lot of work to be like, I understand where they're getting there on this hundred percent and that that's a or you can or you can show up with a level of empathy and connection rather than throwing up barriers and boundaries and um understand that they're people in a certain place in a certain experience that's different from yours. And there's a lot of like, I think one of the reasons we want to do this podcast is because it's like, we want to recognize that there are more connections between people Mm. than there are barriers. And we are so divided and we're so disconnected. And like, you know, I think part of it is like, we want to talk through like what's going on in politics and culture and with our friends and with our, whatever, our parents, our grandparents, and like try to understand like how to bridge some of these gaps to bring people more together so that there isn't this just like, well, I can't sit next to my uncle at the Thanksgiving table because he's a hardcore Trumper. Yeah. I'm about to blow up. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this, this week, um, Ken Wilber wrote, an amazing book mm-hmm. called uh, Trump in a Post-Truth World. We mm-hmm. both read it and uh, really connected with a lot of it. But he talks about when you're learning about spiral dynamics, um, spiral dynamics is a uh, – It's how, how did you word it before? You you hit the nail on the head about what spiral dynamics is. Oh, I when don't we know. talked last time. It's a it's a uh, it's a system from which you can understand more quickly the levels of awareness that people are at. Yes. And the way in which we evolve as people is the ways in which human beings have always evolved. And right. there is a pretty repeatable pattern that you can use to make sense out of so much that you see in the world yes. and so much that uh, that you come across. It gives you a framework from which to conserve so much energy by saying, I know why, like, of course, this is where this is coming from and why they're saying this. The other thing that's so important, and Ken Wilber like really doubles and triples down on it, is he's like, it's very easy to look at these different levels of awareness that that, uh, we'll cover and you can can see, and, and it's very easy to look at them as a hierarchy and go, cool, where am I in the hierarchy? And like, which this one's better than this, which is better than this. And he really urges us not to. He says that it's a holarchy. Holarchy, mm, short for like a, coming from the word not holons. To say, not to be confused with malarkey. Not to be confused with malarkey. This is not. This is not malarkey, people. <laughs> this is the real deal, Holyfield. <laughs> so the uh, the idea of a holarchy is that each piece is complete in and of itself. The next piece may just be more in depth, more dynamic, somehow more complete. But it doesn't diminish that that each piece is complete in and of itself. The analogy that he gives is which is better, a human cell or a human organ? There is no better. There is no worse. They're both complete in and of themselves. And they're both super dynamic, right? One of them just may have more um, intricacies and more uh, uh, a a, a larger scale, a larger grasp of some sort of uh, uh, interconnected network, which is what happens as you move along to the different colors. So um, should we do a quick rundown of Sparrow Yeah, I think it would be helpful. Yeah, uh, I think we've we've, uh, (laughs) beaten around the bush enough. So... um, where do you want to start? Do you want to? 
So there's beige. <laughs> Great. So, uh, again, the idea of spiral dynamics is that uh, the way that we are evolving as humans is the way that we've always evolved. And so it was invented, uh, it was created by a guy named Claire Graves, who studied this back um, in the 50s, I want to say. He was a contemporary of Maslow. Mm. And Maslow, who created the hierarchy of needs, loved this, uh, loved this system, apparently. Uh, it's rumored that he said in secret, he's like, I actually think that your spiral dynamics is uh, able to encompass compass more of the human condition than my own hierarchy of needs mm. but my hierarchy of needs got me real famous so bye, bye. <laughs> like, like super famous now yeah but, well everybody loves a pyramid so oh i know i'm a sucker for a good pyramid <laughs> don't they say that like the third largest pyramid in the world is a is a bass pro shop or a cabela's or something like that maybe it's, it's like top five which is funny <laughs> um so he started looking at the way human beings have evolved and been like, wow, this is actually how we evolve in our lives. And so the first one, he color-coded these, and the first one is called beige. And he said that this emerged at the beginning of humans' sentience, basically. And it's just survival. This is this is pure, how do I meet my needs? Uh, I'm only interested in survival. Hunting, fishing, nomadic culture. Totally. And tribes. what's fascinating is that we can even view this through today's eyes, uh, he said it was very eye-opening when he saw research on people that had been through really bad uh, traumatic events like uh, tsunamis, hurricanes, earthquakes, that they revert very much to this beige thing of uh, uh, are, uh, what, what are my needs? I'll, I'll kill you for this loaf of bread. You know, like we go back to those, uh, those ancient mm. ways. And they also said the research shows that they are better able to receive medical care from providers that were there during the event rather than like FEMA people that flew in from, uh, from their home because Why? they're on that wavelength because they also were through this traumatic uh, experience of am hmm. I could I die from this earthquake today or whatever, hmm. right? Like I'm, I also understand that you are rattled on this level that telling someone who's on a flight right now from Alabama to come help us, it won't, they'll just be like, cool. Yeah, great. Everyone's shooken up. It's like, mm -mm, no, we, we had a moment with God. You're like, we mm. are, we're shaken to our core right now. Okay. And so I can. So uh, that's where we would identify it in today's culture as potentially like victims of some sort of tragedy. Yeah. I mean, okay. re realistically, that's, that's kind of the only okay. application of, of these days. Um, and then, uh, from there we, we did evolve over time as humans, uh, around 10,000 years ago into, um, purple is the color he uses and what's that in purple. And so in purple, we got together and we said, Hey, we're sick of just barely surviving. Let's form tribes. And we need, uh, we have a group of people around us that we are, is not too large. And we believe in the strength of the tribe. We also get a magical, mystical understanding and awareness, right? Uh, you see it from tribes all over the world. It doesn't really matter. They, they ascribe some sort of meaning to some mystical otherworldly event, right? Yeah, so this is sort of like if you think about the Mayans and, you know, we have to do a dance for the rain. Totally. Um, so sort of those more like, you know, tribal, like what, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago. I think they say that it started somewhere around ten. I okay. could have to look at my okay. notes, but Got yeah, it. ten up until like maybe two, two to three, okay. three or four thousand years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and the the idea there is uh, ascribing meaning to something made up essentially to really help us grasp onto holy shit, we're alive, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so 
you, we put blood on our doors or yes. we, uh, right. We sacrifice, we sacrifice these things. We throw some virgin in the volcano, like whatever yep. it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a real practical level, there are some people that can even have a lot of this stuff in their lives. Now it can manifest oh, like, like good luck. Like I don't walk under a ladder. Superstition is yeah. one of them. Uh, we also have times like, uh, you'll find out as we get deeper into spiral dynamics that you have access to all of the levels. We have access to every level below where we are because that's how we have have evolved up. Um, and so sometimes you'll see it even with like, mm, I wear my special socks when LeBron's playing mm-hmm. in yep. Denver, you know, yep. like, mm-hmm. um, there I was don't a shave ne- my beard because totally. uh, my team is going to the championship. Totally. Yeah. Rob Bell gives a really great, um, uh, example too, of, he was speaking to, uh, this like young couple, they were dating. I think they were in high school and, uh, he was, he was counseling them and somehow, uh, they got information that they were like, so you're pregnant. Um, you know, I, I, I know that you're very young and all this and the, the, the man's first, the boy's first reaction, he was like, my family has such bad luck. He's like, this makes total sense that he's like, we're a cursed family in this way. And he was mm. like, Oh, this doesn't really have anything to do with curse. Like you had unprotected sex and, <laughs> and then you got pregnant and he's like, no, you don't understand. He's like, we're a cursed family. And he's like, okay. Um, we'll start with that. (laughs) Uh, but he, he started realizing he's like, his attachment to the idea of this was so borderline superstitious, so borderline mystical that, um, he was like, I need to meet them at this level because this guy wasn't listening to any other, uh, rational response. Okay. Um, there's that R word popping itself back up again. Rational. rational. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Then we get into rational next. No, sorry. No, next one's red. Then we red. go red. Now we go red. And red, red was when we had these tribes. Oh, and, and a big thing that's important to know is that tribes could really, when we're back at purple, tribes could um, really understand and wrap their head around people within the tribe, right? Maybe you'd have yep. 200, 300, 400 people, and there'd be another tribe that was nine miles away. And we hate them, mm. right? They're so similar to us, all of their customs, all their stuff, but like, mm-mm, mm-hmm. they're not one of us. Mm-hmm. They are them. Mm-hmm. The tribe was formed for the protection of people so we didn't have to live in the beige yep. way where it was each man for their own. We're yep. just like living in caves and mm-hmm. doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. And this was, no, 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 great. No, we have our, we believe, you know you know why we hate those those people nine miles away is because we believe that the God loves when we uh, throw virgin into the in the volcano and they believe that that god is the moon and uh, you know what i yeah, mean like yep. these little subtle differences yep. and it's enough and you they would spend eons just like fighting and warring yeah totally yeah so what happened was this is a very um uh, you'll notice this biodynamics bounces between me and us, me and mm. us, me and we, we, okay. uh, me and we. And so beige is me. Oh my God. I'll, I'll kill anyone for, for what I need. Uh, and then we form this we in purple and then it pops over around. I want to say they said something like maybe 5,000 years ago, okay. uh, this emergence of red Yep. and red is the, uh, Let's see how do how do they word it? This is like the warrior king. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the when we first established as humans the notion of our ego. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have an ego up until now. We didn't have this like I I uh, I can be the master, right? Mm-hmm. And so not everyone had this, but we did start having the rise of things like pharaohs, mm. the rise of warrior kings. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the rise of empires mm. as well, right? And we had 
people at the top of a totem pole. We created this totem pole and they were like, you know, it was very established, but the biggest killer, the mightiest king can rule over everyone else. And we, uh, it was might is right. Mm -hmm. Even if you were kind of lower down the levels and you were sort of a peasant and you were like, well, our kingdom can destroy you. Like I, I believe in my Pharaoh warrior king and I will go into battle and I will murder you. It's like, this is Sparta kind of ah, kicking people in the well sort of thing. But that was the establishment of the ego. Okay. And we still see this now. How do we still see this now, Brad? You can hear the question being asked. You see it now in, uh, God, you see it all over the place. It's, it's, it, it, it's being threatened right now, which is totally okay. It's being questioned. The big vroom vroom cars, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy at the gym that's that's fucking swole and not in like a healthy, well, um, you know, well adjusted way, but like, uh, what'd you fucking say to me? Yeah, you know, there's I'll a guy f- who parks out on my street who has a Hummer and it says, um, you you could never even touch this in like giant font on the back Uh and um, other various things written across the Hummer. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Very like who the, who the hell do you think I am? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. You definitely, you definitely see that like a biker gang kind of thing. Um, uh, Definitely like Andrew Tate kind yes. of stuff. I mean, Andrew Tate is like a modern day Pharaoh and he yes. acts that way and they'll talk yep. about it. He's like, I have 50 cars yeah. in the same way. They're like, I have 500 horses. Yeah. Uh, I can have sex with any woman I want. I have a harem of women. Like yeah. you can just see yep. that this might is right. Yep. And there's a lot of people that have, uh, because of confusion within the spiral, there's a lot of people getting locked in and regressed here. Hmm. You also see a lot of this stuff, even with, um, like the insurrectionist next door. Yes. You see a lot of people that uh, did the January 6th insurrection Insurrection yeah. that were just like, we didn't know what to do. We had to do something. We had to, yeah. might is right, fight back yeah. because the system is too confusing. It's, um, it's all rigged. And it's, so we had to fight back. Mm-hmm. And some people I feel like didn't even, we're talking about the insurrectionist next door, which is Alexandra Pelosi's film, which is excellent if you mm. haven't seen it but like you know the i think a lot of these people didn't even like they just kind of got swept up and they were like um well I, there's no other choice except to just right. show up and fight and right. like fight for what i don't know mm-hmm. just fight and then it's like they had they somebody cracked the doors and they got in and like i mean like they weren't even some of them didn't even seem like that was their plan. This they, is all pre-rational. Right. That's really important to notice about red is that red is pre-rational. We'll get to that in a later thing. Okay. But it is really just very reactionary and very, are you angry? Then mobilize, right? right? In the same way that the guy at the bar gets someone who steps on his shoes and he snaps the pool cue and starts swinging. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, it's the same thing. It's okay. not, it's pre-rational. So pre-rational. that actually, we're okay. still in what's called the pre-rational. Uh, all of this is pre-rational. Okay. Is there anything else left on red or do we go to blue? Um, that's the, that's the basic gist of it, but you, it, it, it begins to help you wrap your head around, you know, the same, the same dude going vroom, vroom really yeah. loud with his car and all of that is like, um, in their level of awareness, that is 
what they see, right? You only see what you are aware of. And so that's what they're there's seeing. a lot of people that even kind of live that way that are like, I don't understand the rest of the world. I don't understand why everyone isn't. Yeah. Look, it's also, know. it's just to like, uh, you, you know, we talked about you find yourself, you see, you can see yourself in every single level. Like we have talked about this before, but like when I'm at the gym, like I am very, feel very like ooh. red, like I beat ooh, my ooh, chest ooh, ooh. and I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? Did you wake up today? Like, are yep. you a bad bitch? Yes, you are. Good. And like beat my chest and feel like when I'm lifting weights, I'm like, Argh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, actually this is a wonderful, I'm so glad you brought that up that there are healthy versions of all these levels too, because it can be very good for you to be like, I'm going to go red. Sometimes I'll be like, I'm going to go red here. Rob Bell talked about that where he was uh, having trouble finishing a book and he wrote down, this is a very subtle version of it, but he said that he had red in his mind when he was doing this and he just wrote, um, like, you can do this book. This book can be done. And he sat it on a little note right in front of him. And he's like, that was enough for me to be like, I'm allowed to be here. Mm-hmm. I can do this. I can make this book my bitch basically. Yep. And so it is healthy. And I think a lot of the like the TikTok inspiration shit that I see online today or like even like the Peloton instructors I follow, which I love. And I think that stuff is awesome. Yeah. There is some positive that comes out of that. That's just like, yeah, get up, set your freaking alarm clock yeah. and like do the damn thing. Do the damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. And that is healthy. So we're, we're driving as we, as we go through all these, these levels of awareness, we're driving towards one that sees and has access to all of the different yes. versions in here, which I is like see. a really big deal. Yes. If you lived your life all the time in red, I would, we just wouldn't be friends. You wouldn't live in Brooklyn. This would be, yeah. Uh, or maybe, maybe you would, New York has room for everyone, but, um, it wouldn't be, you're, you're not super healthy and well-adjusted, Yeah. which we even saw an insurrectionist next door where they yeah. were just like, yeah, it got like, I don't wish, I don't want to have reacted in the way that I did. And like, but I was confused and I don't know, you know, and, um, I didn't know what was, what was going on. But th- when you have access to red, when you get to say there's a time for blue in a minute and orange and mm-hmm. green and all these different levels. Ah, uh, and even, even if we're talking about magical and mystical stuff, you can even uh, allow yourself some of that stuff with things like Disney. There are some like Disney adults that are just like, I live in this world of wonder and all this stuff. And like, sometimes it's great to look through mystical and be like, Oh, like this is, this tale they're telling me is beautiful and I'm allowing it to, to happen. Like this stuff mm. is healthy for us. Yeah. Another thing that's important to mention is that we, uh, incorporate these levels in our lives as human beings. We start off as at beige as a child. We're able to climb up through these levels very quickly because you'll see that, uh, our, everyone has access to where our cultural center of gravity is, which is orange here in the United States. And, uh, we, in places like New York, we have access to green, but, you can quickly go up through the levels. You start off at beige as a child, right around two and three, you start incorporating the stuff like terrible twos and you develop this ego and then you learn to start curbing it. Um, oh, uh, purple as well. You're also simultaneously uh, incorporating things like purple into your life through all the characters and uh, I love the holidays in this way and stuff like that. You get to incorporate this terrible twos and also into your teens. Sometimes you have this rebellious nature and you can see kids lash out and stuff like that. And, um, we are now entering into the next, uh, level of awareness, which is blue, blue. I'm blue. No, you got to pay. If you sing the song, you got to (laughs) pay. So at blue, um, yeah. What happens to blue? You want to take blue? 
Uh, I mean, I'm not as well versed as you, but blue, I believe, is back to the we, so yeah. more tribal. Um, and this is sort of where organized formal religion starts to really spring up, yeah. where it's like, okay, I'm a Christian and therefore I do this and we believe this and we wear our khakis and we go to church on Sunday <laughs> and we have a potluck after and that's yeah. what we do. And, yeah, yeah. um, and that sort of like tribal, like ba- a little bit back to like, we were talking about the tribes, you know, nine miles down the road, but uh-huh. this time it's more like, it's I'm bigger. an American, I'm yep. a white Christian American, Bingo. I carry my gun, I, whatever, right? Like, yep. whatever tribe you happen to belong to, there's other tribes across the world, I'm, I'm just talking about America, because we happen to be You're American. You're hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. It okay. becomes a we, it becomes a bigger we, but it's still an incomplete we. So your tribe, when you were purple, was a tiny tribe, you could only wrap your head around a certain amount of people. Now it's I understand this story because it's someone that looks like me or it's someone that's Catholic or it's someone that's American, right? Uh, But if you were to tell someone that's truly at this level, hey, there's people suffering right now in Central Africa or something, they're just like, I, uh, you know, I can mention that to some people that I know in my life and they'd be like, I totally hear you and I, I, if they're honest, like I can't wrap my head around it. If they're being, you know, uh, like heartless, quote unquote, as we would say in our society, they'd be like, uh, yeah, you just don't care. And right. they're like, it's not in my field of awareness. And it, and it isn't. Right. Does that mean that they are bad people? Not necessarily, because you can have healthy versions of blue and sure. you can have unhealthy versions of yeah, blue. Yeah, absolutely. Like your local community and you show up and you, every year your local community does X, Y, and Z. Totally, and puts right? on this play mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah, there's like definitely like healthy parts of it. I was... Um, I had a moment recently where I was like, oh, that, that might be some blue there. Um when Hamas attacked Israel mm. recently, um, and there was a, I don't know if you remember the story, there was a rave that these gunmen went into the rave and started kind of like mowing these ravers down. Yeah. And of course, the entire thing was very tragic, but there was like, I am a raver and I love to dance. Mm. And there was a part of me that was like, my, my friend Eddie actually said to me, he goes, those are your people. And I was mm. like, yeah, those are my people. Yeah. You know, like, um, I don't know that I think that like, oh, wow, that those are my people. Those are my, you know, I come from, I think it's a lot of when people are like, oh, I come, I'm from here and ergo this, right. I'm from, well, I'm from the South. So I'm from Canada. So I'm from whatever, right. It's sort of that, like, I'm, I happen to be this type of person and therefore my tribe tribe is this. Yeah. Yeah. It's helpful to it, to wrap your head around certain instances that are outside of your immediate purview. I, I, I do understand that. And I think that to say that that's not human to, to have that reaction, I just think it's dismissive of certain realities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you mean? It's not human. That's like a critique. No, I think, I think that it is, I think that it is human to have that reaction of I can wrap my head around this better because of my some personal connection. Absolutely. Whether it's chosen Absolutely. or whether it's cultural or whatever. And so, you know, there's there's examples that have been given in some of the spiral dynamics books that I've read, which are like, if you were to go back in, you know, a thousand years ago and tell some Scottish farmer that they are having a um plight 
in uh, Indonesia and they are out of food, they would be like, I have no concept of why I should care. And you need to acknowledge that that is part for many people of the mm -hmm. human experience mm -hmm. without them being terrible, heartless people. Right. So I do want to talk for a minute about like blue, uh, where it came from and like okay. what it actually means. And so this is what sort of arose out of, uh, out of the ashes of that might is right, uh, empire and, um, uh, Pharaoh kind of mentality. And we had people that, uh, that we, we, we saw the rise of, uh, of religions, you know, especially in the, in the Western world, you saw the rise of like Catholicism and stuff in the way that, uh, the way that things were run. We had, uh, things were right or wrong because they were decided by a higher power. They were given to us by some sort of higher power, including our authorities like Kings, right? All Kings were uh, you know, ordained by God, they would always say, I come in the name of God and all these sorts of things, even if they were doing things that were very ungodly. That's the level of awareness that we were at. Right. <laughs> yeah. the Catholic church. Totally. I mean, absolutely. That, you know, that, that goes without saying, but the, the structure of what was right and wrong was, uh, was given from some sort of higher power. And this is also when you enter into that second realm of we, right? The bigger we, ah, okay, we understand we are Saxons, we are blah, 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 so on and so forth. And this is kind of what predominated for, uh, the next 20, 2000 years or so. I mean, is that how, um, like, Blue can be still be very separate, separatist. Is that how something like the Crusades absolutely. could have happened? Oh, absolutely. Those were two idea ideologies butting heads against or, each other. I guess the Holocaust. Um, the Holocaust. Yeah, that, I, I'd have to. I would have to unpack. I would have to sit and unpack that one. I I don't know if I'm ready to to comment on that one in regards. Uh, perhaps it is, but definitely the. I the mean, crusades. That, the crusades. It's like, oh, we're, we're against each other. Our God, or our most highest authority figures, the Pope and so on and so forth, have deemed this as a righteous and worthy right. war. Like, done. Uh, again, you're still talking about pre-rational. All this stuff is before mm. rationality. This okay. is, things are right or wrong. So absolutely, that ideological conflict is like, yeah, we're going to wipe you off the face of the planet because either our book told us or our Pope told us or our King told us, great, done. And their, their authority comes from, from God. Cool. Like this is exactly where we are at, you know? And so I'll still see it now. I'll still have conversations with my mom or I'd have conversations with my grandma before she passed. And they would take that exact tone of being like, well, how do you know that this is right or wrong? And I would be at my particularly, um, uh, you know, my, um, Oh, uh, what's it called when you're tearing things apart in your life? Oh, like your deconstruction? Yeah, I was deeply in my deconstruction, and so I would be that thorn in the side and being like, well, how do you know this kind of stuff? And they'd be like, it's in the Bible. Like, done. Duh. Case closed. It's in the Bible. Yeah. So that's that's blue. That's, and, and that's that's all the proof I need. Absolutely. And that's, um, and that's where, uh, and that's blue, and we still have a large proportion of people in the United States. It's roughly you know, a little bit less than a third. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that Ken Wilber in his latest book says it's something like 30% blue, 30% orange, 30% green, and like 10% red, something like that. No yellow. Oh, I mean, sure, sure, sure. We'll, we'll get into it, but yellow, yellow is, is in there. Emerging. And bigger. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So it might've been like 5% red, 5% yellow. 
and 30, 30, 30. That's just a rough estimate. There's no real way to like have a okay. poll on it. So okay. it's just kind of like if I were to guess, mm, yeah, kind of aim, you yeah. know, so go ahead. Um, are we moving to orange or yeah. You, and so do um, you can, do we want to do a quick time check? Do we want to do orange, green and yellow next time? Or do you want to keep going with this today? Why don't we do orange and green and then we'll, we'll allude to yellow at the end because yellow is so exciting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what happens with orange? Um, the thing that, that people need to know about spiral dynamics is that there needs to be a, like a sort of tipping point that happens when this new explosion of the new awareness happens. Uh, Ken Wilber says it's usually around 10%. If you can get 10% of a population that starts uh, starts thinking in this new way, that's enough for this new thing to kind of um, catch on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll also notice that each level of awareness happens as a reaction to what came before. People at beige were sick of uh, just trying to survive, and so they went on to uh, purple. And then at purple, they were, uh, the, the tribalism, um, it, they, they were, they were not self-serving and they, they saw this awareness of an ego. Oh, we're just caring about the tribe and everyone serves and all this stuff, but no one really grabs the life. I kind of want to grab, you know what I want to do? I want to own this tribe and that tribe and that one down there. And I want to be this thing called a Pharaoh and I want to have mm-hmm. control of all of these lands. And this mm-hmm. sort of new mm-hmm. thing came in. Yep. And then as, as the Pharaohs were doing this sort of stuff, might is right with such a big, uh, talking, like such a big mindset there. People started saying, mm, I wonder if there's something bigger than this. And, uh, through these developments of religions and stuff, it was right around the time that these religious figures were, walking the earth that these stories became to catch on more and more and being like, great, there is more than just might is right. Here is this new story of God tells us as it is. Ah, okay. okay, I'm ready for this now. Now we're here in blue. Blue goes on for a long time. Blue goes through the dark ages. Blue gets us through, uh, through uh, like 1500 years, a very long time. And some people started saying, Hey, no one's thinking for themselves, right? We haven't really begun getting our rational mind going. There's arguments to be said that the explosion into the next color, which is orange, the rational thought, also might have coincided with spreading of um, the discovery and spread of coffee, getting that side of our mind going. That's more of a, uh, you know, you can make that argument. Interesting. Uh, but it's uh, that, that's sort of a curiosity. But in general, people started saying, you know what? Maybe God isn't right about all these things. And, yeah. you know, God told us everything from how we should live to why we get sick and why people die and all this. I'm going to start kicking the tires around a little bit. And we started having the Enlightenment. Uh, scientific revolution. And people said, you know what? We actually can think for ourselves and we can have, uh, we can have a role in uh, what's in our own lives and we can figure out science and we can figure out medicine, how to cure disease, science, medicine. And we also can dictate our own, uh, future. We can outsmart each other. So this is one of the big things that happens in orange. One of the, uh, main keystones of orange is, um, rationality, but also can I outsmart, outperform, uh, and be better than people around us. Right. Um, this started off with mass, like mastery of, uh, mastery of the world. They wanted to begin mastering the world by understanding it and, uh, begin building and creating new things, new technologies, uh, to improve our lives. And, um, as we see that it can, it's kind of reached, 
a bit of a crescendo right now because we're clearly living in a world where um, outsmarting other people in the interest of myself mm -hmm. is really concentrating so much wealth at the top and uh, and so on and so mm. forth. But this was the eruption of orange uh, during the during the Enlightenment, late 1500s or so, right? Okay, so this is back to an I. This is I, of course. This is I, but it's a smarter I, right? I at, um, I at beige was me, oh my God, I'm gonna die. I at red was uh, might is right, me above all, you wanna fight me, there's zero rationality. And this one is, mm, how clever can I be? Right. How can I master the world around me? Right. How can I, Yeah. Uh, right? Like we, I feel like when you start talking about orange, people are like, I totally get it. Like yeah. we're swimming in orange. It's also the reason why if you say, hey man, it took 10,000 years for us to get from beige to blue, or orange, like how do we get to orange so fast? That's where the cultural center of gravity is. Anyone you talk to, especially in America or the West is like, yeah, I, I fully understand this. Mm -hmm. Even someone like, um, I would say my mom is largely at blue. Yeah. Everyone here is going to have access to orange. Mm. They're going to be some shade of orange in it. If they're uh, even your mom, even my mom, okay. even some of those people that are like the insurrectionists next door, if they are largely red, they still have access to orange. Okay. They still could be like, I own a, a landscaping business or something okay. like that, and okay. I I use Quicken to to do my books and right. all that. Like they're gonna okay. have okay. this aspect of it because we and we all do right. I mean, like we all need to remember our social security numbers. We all need to. Um, um, figure out how to survive, make money, feed ourselves yeah. and like, you know, like exist in this world that is where orange is our center. So like we all have it inside of us and, and I'd use it a lot at work cause I'll be like, okay, well, what does the data say? What are the facts? Yeah. Um, and that's valid. And that also is so helpful when we talked about rational, like you, you also got to get everyone on your side and that rationalism is how you're going to sell your case mm -hmm. for any, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, for any move, because that's our, that's our basic language around here. This, this is when we started off the podcast today, we were saying everything has to answer to rationalism mm -hmm. in our world right now. Mm -hmm. And that might not be true. We could be in uh, you know, like in a hardcore Muslim nation or something and they wouldn't, they would be at a blue center saying, uh, Oh, you want to have this new business? How does it serve the message of Allah mm. or something? Right. How does yep. it, yep. right. And so there are various, and we could also go and visit a uh, undiscovered tribe mm -hmm. somewhere in the Amazon, and they would be like, "Great, how does this serve our sun god? Right. How does this uh, right. serve the tribe? Like yeah. that would be yep. where where we are at." Or we could go to some biker gang, and they'd be like, "But how does it serve Fat Tony? You know what I right. mean? Like, yeah. what is this?" So, like, you yep. can see what's important to you is what you're aware of, and Got that it. is another Ken Wilber quote. Mm -hmm. What you what's what you're aware of is what's important to you. What you're aware of is what's important to you. Uh -huh. Okay, which All is right. why my dad would be very. My dad is very orange. Mm -hmm. uh, although I'm seeing seeing some movement there, which is beautiful to see. Interesting. Potentially, potentially, okay. uh, but that also raises a bunch of issues because my mother is largely at blue. Right, and, and you can not be more than two levels of. Above your partner. That's kind of a uh, of like a imperfect rule, but um, we can always see the next level ahead of us, whether or not we agree with it, we can see it and understand it. We can't always see uh, two. Two ahead I of see. it can be a total giant enigma. So we'll, we'll, go, we'll go quickly through this, but I think we did a pretty good job with the orange here. Uh, it built nations, right? Yeah. Like, boom, here we yeah. are. Um, and Facebook and 
All of it, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> ev- ev- totally. And all these things that we enjoy. The The important thing is that, like, as you go, you also, uh, you don't want to get rid of everything that happened before. Uh, I still want great dentistry, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, uh, like, yeah. Yeah, you, you want your doctor to, like, be pretty dedicated to the science. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your, your engineers to be pretty dedicated to the science. I want science. my bridge. You want you your know? bridge to not fall. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. And so um, from there, uh, as we mentioned, you need around somewhere around a five to 10% pe- a number of people that are that have this uh, new awareness for an explosion to happen. This had been in the works for about 150 years, but in the 60s, we had the eruption of green, which mm-hmm. we all know is peace, love, and so on and so forth. But it was the uh, rise of awareness of people outside of our own groups. So we're back to we. We're back to we, and we're back now to a universal we, which is so important. I want, I, I can't, I can't stress this enough that awareness for groups outside of our own is one of the biggest developments of the past hundred years. Mm-hmm. I put it up there with the computer yeah. and the internet. Yes, that for where we need to go, because we also can run the risk of uh, pointing out some of the shortfalls of green. Uh, this is the next color. Did I say that it's green? And we can point out some of the short shortcomings of green, but I want to stress that this is one of the most important developments. It's the first time in history where now, remember when I said when people were at um, blue that you could go to some farmer in Scotland and say there's a, right, that people yep. are starving in this other area of the world and they say, I don't care. This is the first time where we go, hey, there is a problem happening over here. And people go, oh my God, I... I need to donate. I need to... I need to, to mobilize. I need, I need to, to post it on my social media. I, mm-hmm. uh, right. You know, and uh, like the one thing is we can say that maybe a lot of those things like posting on social media, maybe they're not ultra effective, but, but, but the they're point sincere. Is that it's sincere. People genuinely care for others. And I think it's... Yeah. When a lot of times people have heard experts say like, well, things get better with time and all of human experience has gotten like largely better as we've evolved. And that's a lot of, I think, why there's more equality in the world and um, hopefully less people are going hungry and yeah. there's more technology, there's more access to resources yeah. because people care about other people yeah. in a deeper way. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it's such a big deal and it's here to stay, which is, uh, which is great. And it's, it's still kind of in its infancy, right? Like this. Yeah. It's only what? 80 years, 50 years. Uh, from, from the 60s to like 70 years yeah, old, yeah. you know, as far as mainstream awareness, again, writers had been working on this for 150 years beforehand for, to, to kind of cause that. But yeah, like it's still, early on as it's still a little baby. And so like, even when we're talking about loving at every level, Mm -hmm. it's so important to love at that level too. And be like this, the intentions are in the right place and their level of awareness at green is completely valid in and of itself. Totally. However, I find I'm become the most annoyed with green. Um, and I know this whole thing is meant to transcend and include yeah. and not to separate. And we said the thesis of this podcast is about bringing people together. But yeah. let's talk about a little bit of the downside of green because there's something that's like annoys me deeply about it sure. that I probably should face and figure out yeah. why it's so annoying. Let me Let me run this by you. I sometimes can get annoyed by green because I know that it can be better and more effective. 
I think that sometimes it can be governed by infinite sensitivity, which it feels is the most important Mm -hmm. aspect. Mm -hmm. And I think, but what are you actually getting done? Mm -hmm. And uh, how much energy are you expending on this infinite sensitivity? Yes. Okay, so um, green, things that annoy us about green are sometimes with infinite sensitivity, Mm. which is great because we want to be sensitive to everyone's feelings. But sometimes it can be a hindrance to accomplishing things, moving things forward, or um, making comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Uh, (laughs) I didn't know what the end of that sentence was going to be, but that's very funny. Um, yes, it's, so the talking about making, making of comedy is that our, uh, Ken Wilber talks about this. Um, Rob Bell talks about this and Richard Rohr talks about this. Um, our inclination as humans is to transcend and dissociate. When we get to these new levels, we tend to look back at uh, how foolish and how small and how like whatever it is, but with contempt. Yes, because it's embarrassing. And just in the same way, I look at my 24-year-old self on my social media posts, uh. and it's embarrassing <laughs> because you've transcended. It could be because you've gone beyond. You've grown. You've evolved. You're not the same ding dong that you were. Yeah. And so, therefore, I think there's a little bit of embarrassment as you look back. Yeah, I mean, you you want to tear up what came before like nobody wants to tear down capitalism more than because capitalism is super orange than someone who is newly into green and says sure. these, these systems aren't serving us anymore no one wants to tear down religiosity more than someone that has moved to orange and is looking back at blue and saying wow you guys are just like you guys are living with this this god uh running the show mentality like get over it yeah um we want to tear down what came before we want to totally yes. throw so the maybe baby that's out. where my annoyance and aversion yep. to green is more than any other which is interesting okay. um because it's the newest the latest the freshest yeah yeah and it, it it's still figuring out how it wants to be most effective. Now, effectiveness is a, is a key word with green because greens, one of their biggest downfalls is, is uh, efficacy, is, is effectiveness. Because um, you'll notice in things, um, they, they, they don't love concentrated power. They love spread out distributed power at green. So just to go off of that, like uh, Occupy Wall Street. Totally. That movement a couple of years ago had no leader, yep. and it was rudderless because mm-hmm. it had no leader, and therefore it didn't really accom- it didn't really get much done. Maybe it accomplished some things. I don't yeah. really know, right? But it was sort of a blip, a, f- a flash in the pan. Totally, and it, but it's it's inherently ingrained within green to say we don't want a leader, right? Like, uh, sorry, one more example, the women's march. I remember after Trump was elected and there was the women's march and there were all these groups organizing online, but then there were people that were, didn't want leaders. And so because there were no leaders and there were people, it became kind of like a hot mess Yeah, and ended up being, I don't even remember the specifics, but it was kind of a mess because it was not effective. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's antithetical for green to have leadership in that way, right? Like uh, big, big, powerful, strong leaders, that's orange. And we 
And red. Orange and red, sure. And yeah. blue to yeah. a certain extent. Sure, totally. These are all from the systems we came before. If we're looking for equality, no one's better than anyone else. No ideology or way of living is better than 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 anyone else. Um then everything becomes equal. And so the biggest thing you don't want is someone who is standing head and shoulders above. Was communism like in the Mar and Marxism, was that so, green? There is some great writings about this. That was actually the like older style communism was mostly blue. And here's why. It was a submission to a, an authority structure. Uh, you actually love authority at blue. Um, Blue, blue is when you say God is right, and they would they, so much of like so much of practical applied Marxism up till this point, especially like in the you know uh, last century, has been like uh, look at these authority figures. We have statues of them in every square. Uh, you your your okay. rule and role. That's a, that's one of the monikers for blue. It's called rule slash role. There is the rule of law given by some higher power, and you have a role within that. Okay, got it. Now, but I see why you're asking that because when you move to democratic socialism, and they're saying no, 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 this is a new type of thing. This is the Bernie Sanders sort of uh, AOC kind of thing. This is green, and they're mm. trying to say, and they're right. They're saying we're different than the old Marx ways, Marxist ways that you are aware of. We have a lot of the same similar teachings and understandings and stuff, but we don't want to go back to this giant, you know, uh, Gestapo rule, role, uh, power hierarchy. Mm -hmm. um, we want equality uh, for all people with less concentrated power given to, uh, you know, a, a, an authority figure at the top. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. And so this goes back to... Um, People at lower levels of understanding, I, again, I don't say lower to, to mean they are at a worse or an incomplete level of understanding, but people at the lower rungs are very quick to say, ooh, look at this new thing. Bernie Sanders wants the exact same thing that they did during Maoist China. And he's saying, no, that's not true. You just don't see green fully. Yep. When I got back from Cuba, uh, I had a, a very beautiful eye-opening trip. And uh, the first thing my mom said when I landed, she picked me up at the airport. She was like, is that what you want? And I said, whoa, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> the, wait, what? <laughs> this is, yeah. And she was like, yeah, you know, Marxism, because I know that you vote blue and all this stuff. And I was like, uh, they, they don't have deodorant there. Like, I don't know what to they have like one brand of state sponsored deodorant. They, if you, if you ever want to impress someone or just like really help someone out and you're going to Cuba, just throw some old spice in your bag. They will, God, yeah, they'd be very, they, they would love that. Um, but yeah, that's that, that points that we, we also have incomplete understandings of, of, uh, awareness is ahead of ours. Yeah. If we're at lower absolutely, levels. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Does that make sense about the difference between blue Marxism? It blue, absolutely uh, does. Yeah. 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 Okay. So back to, um, I think right now there's a lot of, uh, infinite sensitive sensitivity, uh, universal, I guess, what was the word you use? Universal. Oh, uh, I, uh, oh, awareness. It's universal, universal awareness. awareness is, yeah. And infinite and infinite, infinite sensitivity yeah. are rubbing people the wrong way. And I think they're rubbing people the wrong way at that are at the lower levels, like your mom, kind of, right? Sure. But also people that are potentially, uh, 
you know, on, on your side. Right. I think yeah. I've told you about like my sister, um, kind of has a little bit of that babies in bathwater thing where she's like, if you're not for us, you're against us. Yeah. Um, if you don't believe what I believe, get the hell out of here. Uh-huh. If you don't, and it's obviously not just my sister, she's wonderful, but, um, a lot of people, like if you're not, uh, you know, you can't, y- you, um, you can't believe in capitalism and in, uh, you know, universal love and sensitivity and those things can't coexist. And therefore we need to burn down the whole society and yep. everything has to go. I mean, that, that whole throw, that is the textbook definition of transcend and dissociate, throw a baby with the bathwater of everything that came before has to go. We're at this new level of awareness. Why doesn't the whole world see that all of this that came before has to go? And that is perhaps a bit short-sighted. You know, I heard a great um, interview with Marianne Williamson, and she was like, you can have healthy, um, conscientious capitalism. Like us having, uh, you know, a podcast and maybe making a little bit of money off of it, that's not harming the world in any way. We also want you know, proper distribution channels for things like toilet paper. And like, I know I'm talking at low level stuff here, but it's all capitalism doesn't have to go. Yeah. There can't, what we, what we are confusing is there's, there's much sinning and, uh, evil happening within the framework of capitalism that must be reined in. And we're confusing that for burn the whole fucker down. Yeah. Yeah. There's also this like shame, shaming thing going on where, um, I find that like there's in our society and culture, there's a lot of like shaming people or call, you know, doxing people or calling people out or, you know, I don't want to say canceling cause that's like cancel culture. That's so like sounds like something our boomer parents would say, but like, and I don't mean it that way, but like, yeah, that idea of like, yeah, you're done. Mm -hmm. You're canceled. You're Mm -hmm. gone. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. 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 Um, so what, what is sort of, what is that? What's driving that? Why is that annoying people so much? Yeah. Um, Ken Wilber talks about that in Trump in a post-truth world where he says he's like, one of the biggest problems is that green is saying, Hey, we have this new level of sensitivity. We understand that you might not be there right now, but don't worry. We're going to show you how to do this. Here's the problem is like, yeah, we're going to teach you these new ways. And here's how we do sensitivity through, you know, whatever it may be. Very important needed things like Me Too and, uh, and uh, Occupy Wall Street, so on and so forth. And here's the problem. If you fall out of line, that's going to be bad news because we told you the rules and you didn't comply and they can be, um, oh, what does he call them? He, he calls them, uh, oh, the mean greens. He's like, greens can be mean when you aren't obeying these new rules for society that we have come across in the past 70 mm-hmm. years. We can be very mean if you don't get it and if you're not complying, which is the definition of transcend and dissociate versus Mm -hmm. transcend and include meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. This is why when I mentioned that to the, to the, to my friend uh, a while ago about meeting people where they are, she was so turned off by that verbiage. Um, 
allow, allow, because at the end of the day, and this is one of the important things about spiral dynamics is that there's nothing that you can say or do that's going to cause someone to move up the spiral. It needs to happen from internal changes mm-hmm. and it needs to happen in relationship to their own experience from external changes. Mm. All that you can do is create space in which someone can eventually see the logical or, or experience the end of the road for the way that they're going at. Mm. Uh, people that are like, for instance, at orange being like, I got more and I'm getting more stuff and I'm seeing people around me get more stuff. And that isn't actually working. Yeah. I've come to some sort of conclusion that on my own, by giving space to it, that maybe the solution is going to be moving towards green. Yeah. Maybe I'm not better than everyone yeah. else. Yeah. I maybe. mean, you look at like some of those, uh, I just heard a story about a millionaire at the end of his life or maybe even a billionaire. And he had, uh, realized that he had, that he didn't need this money and didn't care for it. And his spent his last maybe 10 or 20 years giving away, giving, 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 giving uh. every, almost every dime. I think that when he died, he, he just died maybe a month ago. He had like, uh, maybe a million dollars left Yeah, and lived in a two bedroom apartment with his wife and he was a billionaire. Yeah. And he gave every single thing away because probably because he was sort of seeing at the end of his life that like, I got all this shit and like, this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't it. You've got, oh man, I'm actually bummed out that our, uh, things are probably not recording right now because that was the, uh, they're both powered off. It's gotta be too hot in this room. Um, I'm gonna have to figure something else out. I'm, I'm bummed about that because this, that's, that is the. That is the money shot that I wanted to say, like that, that I that I wanted you to share with everyone. Is like you can only move on to the next level once you've realized that the level you're at isn't it. Oh, I have this belief in God at, at blue. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And then like, wait, it's failed me in some way. And then you'll see people in the way that I did. When I, uh, when I left the Catholic Church, that's when I moved and continued on to get my mechanical engineering degree and then moved to New York City, another very orange place. And um, yeah, my, I mean, this, this was my own growth way. And then I saw that and I started moving in towards uh, green when I was like, I see people striving after uh, so much, uh, you know, collecting so much stuff, so much me energy and all this. And I moved into green mm. because I saw that that was the way forward. Um, but that's the only way this is going to happen. So I think that we may want to call it here because what we're going to talk about next time is yellow and turquoise. Turquoise. (laughs) But these are really where the juice is because you start seeing bigger patterns. Right. Isn't, um, isn't it thought that Obama is in yellow? Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Obama can be in yellow. Yeah. So let's save it and tune back in and you can hear the rest of our spiral dynamics conversation, but also, um, the rest of us shooting the shit about spirituality and also weaving in our own silliness because we're just two silly, silly heads. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ah, you want to call it? Yeah. It's done. All right. Adios. Adios. Adios.